0: So Michelle. Yes. We had a little break. We went off to Afghanistan and we, we, we sorted all that out with Ferg. Thanks very much, by the way, Ferg. Great to work with you as always. Yes. But we still haven't finished our story of Screep off.
1: No, we haven't. And I have so many friends who are super keen to find out what happened.
0: Yeah, I've, I've got quite a few listeners myself that have been going, whoa, 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 whoa what, what happens next? What happened? What was the wash up? So today we're going to do the wash up. I know, can't wait. And also, we're going to have a very ex- exciting special guest. Oh my
1: God, I love guests.
0: Two guests in two weeks. How incredible is this?
1: I feel like lockdown is really working for us because they have nowhere else to be.
0: Exactly. It's such a good thing. Everyone's caught, they're literally in prison, and we're the people coming around to interview them about whatever they want to talk about. Shall we?
1: Let's go. Listening to I Spied, the Hanging Man of Australian Intelligence.
0: Okay, hang on. I'm just gonna—I'll throw the rope over, and you pull it down, and then I'll tie it off.
1: I don't need a rope to want to kill you. Oh, it's me that's being hung. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hello and welcome to I Spied. I'm Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan, and we're here to really unpack. A little bit more of this exciting story. Now, it's been a while since we've actually gone through an, a spy story and unpacked it bit by bit. And I know a lot of people have been hanging out for part two.
0: Now, before we go any further, we've got to do this previously. Previously. Um, I spied the podcast. I've always (laughs) wanted to do that. Um, So uh, basically, the last time we spoke about Skripov, um, and look for the episode, it's called Holla for a Marshall, the Skripov story. Now, what you need to do is just remember that Kay Marshall was this New Zealand single mum who came to Australia, wound up working as a double agent against the Soviet Union. She was meant to have a meeting with a man after all of this tradecraft training that she'd done with Skripov, the first assistant secretary at the Soviet embassy in Canberra, after all this training, she was meant to meet with a man in Adelaide and the meeting never took place. Now, yes. During that meeting, she was meant to hand over a special coded transmitter, which the Australian government did not want to hand back to the Russians, even though Skripov kept ringing Kay Marshall going, can I get my transmitter back, please? Um, that is actually how we sounded. Yeah, like I'm that. pretty sure, right? Yeah, Can I have transmitter back, please? That was very Ukrainian of me. So essentially where we were left at the end of this story is K Marshall has been spirited off to overseas to protect her from the KGB who could come looking for her and Skripov has been declared persona non grata and has been kicked out of the country. But what about the man she was meant to meet? Did we ever meet him? Ooh, excitement builds
1: <laughs> um yes i mean i i can't wait but then what happens next so something ha- crazy happens next
0: something crazy happened next which wound up with a man hanging from a tree in a golf course in adelaide now normally this wouldn't be a odd thing for adelaide um
1: it, it happens <laughs> well no I, aren't, aren't there aren't there more bodies in barrels kind of people
0: well that yeah well but they started with trees and then they right. went to the barrels cuz they're yes. easier to stack. Yes. But essentially we wound up with somebody hanging dead from a tree and Correct. this is where the story got really really twisted and strange. And this is why we've brought in an expert on this. An expert. An expert. Excellent. This man is a documentary maker extraordinaire. In fact, I've had the great privilege of appearing in a few of his documentaries, including one where I was a renowned pornographer in Canberra with close ties to, I think, Billy McMahon. I think that was the
1: case. I I mean, I would imagine that we'd call it a mockumentary if you're in it.
0: Uh, Well, I was part of the library enactment. Okay. <laughs> and um, I had to have, actually, I had to have very curly hair. So I had lots of heating rods put in my hair. I looked like a very young Peter Sellers without the glasses. It was quite, quite Excellent. traumatic, but Excellent. a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the director of the, and the man who's kind of uncracked a lot of the Skripov case, yes. Mr. Peter Butt. Peter, how are you today?
2: Yeah. Hi, David. Hi, Michelle.
1: Well thanks so much for joining us. It's, um, I have to say I did watch Final Rendezvous and I, my eight-year-old son sat next to me and he was enthralled. Like it, it, it pretty much has everything, right? And the, the live footage, the fact that you have this footage is just phenomenal, right?
2: It's, it is fantastic footage. It's been in the archives for all these years. Now how, it's almost 60 years about ten years ago, I first acquired that uh, footage, some of that footage, for a film I was making about the early years of ASIO, and the Skripov case was just a, one of many cases that we covered in that in that uh, film. But it always intrigued me this Skripov story. How did such a big case fail? And so that's why I pursued it again more recently to make Final Rendezvous.
0: Because that's the interesting point here. Everyone, I mean, publicly it was regarded as a great success. We've uncovered this spy at the Soviet embassy and we've kicked him out. Yay for us. But it was an unmitigated failure. Because the one thing they didn't uncover was the possible illegal network that was working in Australia. For those of you who don't know, an illegal network is an unofficial intelligence operation happening in a country. You've got declared intelligence officers, we've talked about this, but then you've got undeclared ones. They can be in the embassy, but then you've got illegals, which are out in the community waiting for basically a code word trigger to set them off on their job. And this is what we were hoping to uncover with the Skripov case, was this illegal network that was operating. Operating in South Australia, by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, and we we got to basically we've got this body hanging from a tree and no answers. But what we see in final rendezvous is that maybe there are some answers that maybe we missed.
2: That's right. Look, well, I, I should just take it back to about t- the ten years ago when I first tamed the footage of yeah. the Adelaide rendezvous and I only received one role and it was only part of a role of two roles but that one particular role was very interesting in as much that in the middle of this rendezvous with Sylvia or Kay Marshall standing on a street corner there was a wedding taking place across the road and when I saw that footage and this man with a camera walking along with a camera in his hand I was thinking is this guy working for AGO undercover and is he There to capture the the Soviet spy as as he arrives, it just didn't make sense. How could it's bizarre that they picked a spot across the road from a church where a wedding was going on for a major case to I guess finalize, and it just didn't make sense to me. And when I came back to the footage over and over again, I just kept thinking this guy has to be involved somehow. And wouldn't it be great to be able to find out how and why? So that's what I chased my tail and, uh, or chased my, sorry, I I didn't chase my tail. I, uh, I kind of followed my nose
0: and discovered this guy's identity and his role in the story. And he was never picked up by ASIO. And you make that point in Last Rendezvous. At no point did ASIO think, hang on, who's this guy with the swept back hair, the horn rim spectacles and the briefcase with two metal clasps? Exactly the same guy that Kay Marshall was told to look out for.
2: That's that's the bizarre point of this whole thing. How did they miss this guy? He had European looks. He was wearing a light-coloured suit. As you said, he was carrying a, a black briefcase with metal clasps, all the identifying features that Kay Marshall was told to look out for. Mm. He was right across the road. He was literally within about 15 metres from her. He arrives by taxi. He, he goes into a church. He comes out of, out of the church a couple of times and they're filming him from a, a bank building basically uh, next door to the church and nobody
0: worked this out. Also what's really interesting is the fact that Kay Marshall stood on that corner and he probably walked past her once or twice and would have been within eye shot of her across the street and yet she still didn't see him.
2: That's right, I think she was incre- incredibly nervous, that was one, one thing. And this, oh, yeah. was, this was a legitimate wedding going on. And this guy had obviously chosen, the the agent had chosen the spot to tell Scripoff, uh, he told Scripoff that that's where he would be on this particular day. This was the perfect cover for him for when K. Marshall arrives, he would then come across the road, hand over the package, uh, one package, receive another package, and that was it.
1: So clearly she did look quite nervous and I, I think apparently from all accounts it was quite hot as well, which probably didn't help things. But there is that vision that you point out where he looks directly at the cameras. So has he worked it out? I, I think that's probably where we're getting getting at, right? He's kind of worked out.
2: Yes, I think he, he suspected straight away that there was something wrong. She, she looked nervous. There were ASIO agents. There were men walking around, and as we see in the footage, there are men walking around looking rather uncomfortable themselves. A lot of broken down vehicles, if I remember correctly yes, as well. that's right. So that's suddenly right.
0: everyone broke down in front of the church during a wedding.
2: That's right. <laughs> uh, yes. There's a, a woman in a car with a dog. I think she was an yes. AGO officer.
0: <laughs> the dog but definitely I've, was. I've, I've
2: identified with the, th- with the help of a, a former ASIO officer three people there in the footage who are asio officers
1: that's the so overkill he,
2: yeah look if you are a Russian, you're working for the russians you're going to be sensitive to the whole environment around you oh yeah you, you're going to be aware of every single person within that frame and uh he obviously picked up on this there was a guy walking along it was it was 100 degrees which is about 38 degrees celsius that's hot with a, With a suit and tie on. Yeah. Now, who does that on a Saturday? You know, no one in Australia.
1: (laughs) No (laughs) Australian. No no Australian. It was
0: the '60s as well. So, Uh, I don't think
1: he'd be wearing a suit.
0: Yeah, maybe he was going to a wedding. (laughs) Now, here's the thing, though. One of the things that was really interesting as you say in the documentary is how Asio just overlooked this mysterious man that appeared because they were focused on another person that could possibly be involved. And that person was somebody by the name of Horace Allen Pyle. Now, Pyle was a, a radio technician, essentially. He was a radar tech during World War with the RAAF, but while he was training to become a radar technician, he was also joining the Communist Party. Now, uh, when he left the army in 1945, he became very heavily involved in the Communist Party, became an organiser, worked for a union, I think it was the Painters and Dockers, I think, Shipping, Painting and Dockers, and was regarded by a lot of his friends as quite fanatical in And intense about the Communist Party. In fact, when he asked his wife Kathleen to join the party and she refused, he divorced her. So Horace was very much in the in Asio's frame. Now, through the fifties, he was moved to Adelaide and then regarded as brought in by the Central Committee to keep the party going in case Menzies ban on the Communist Party which happened in I was 54 or 55 that ban if that ban went through he would still be around to uh, Horace would be around to run the party but the thing was he Pulled himself out of political activity, quit the union, and got a job working for a company called Jacoby Mitchell, who were suppliers of technology to, are we ready for it? The weapons research establishment in Salisbury outside of Adelaide. Right. Woomera, essentially, where we were testing lots of surface-to-air and anti-submarine and air-to-air missiles and all these little things we like to call nukes right so this guy was walking into the wre quite regularly at least three times a week now the thing was he never applied to get clearance to go in there he was always escorted because he didn't want to have to admit he was a communist Now, this got brought up by the company that employed him. Jacobi Mitchell finally turned around and said, why have you never got a clearance? Because ASIO were also concerned. He was in the frame for ASIO. Basically, he turned around to the company and went, I didn't want to embarrass you by saying I used to be a communist. The company then shifted him to Melbourne. Now, the thing was, this was post-Skripov, but he was not in Adelaide at the time of the meeting. He was in Melbourne having a holiday, I think. Now, the thing was, he came back a couple of weeks later. and um, But ASIO still were very much focused on him. And naturally so. It turned out from Czechoslovakian archives that it released a few years ago that they were actually accessing information on weapons. They were working with the Soviets. Um, the Czech consular general in Sydney were bringing, were, were bringing home the bacon, basically. And also... Like the naval intelligence said that there were Russian submarines off Adelaide during testing. So, this was a, ho- Adelaide was a hotbed of intelligence. You know, it sounds strange to say that, but it was. Adelaide was a hotbed of intelligence.
1: <laughs> I feel like I don't now, think now, those, now. those things have gone together ever.
0: <laughs> well, just for you, I've put them together because we love you, Adelaide. We lo- so why, love
1: you. So, why was this gentleman in the frame?
0: Well, he,
2: ran the, he, he, he supposedly ran the, the communist underground. He yeah. left the party as, as an official to set up an underground, as, as you said, David, to, in, in case the, the, the party was banned, he would run it from the underground. But it was also about acquiring intelligence for the Soviets. That was yeah. his job. And he, he was supposedly setting up a network. And that's where AGO was focused But he was out of town when all of this was happening, so he wasn't really, and that must have been known, he he wasn't Mm. going to be the man who was going to be picking up the parcel, but he may have been the person who organised the real person who, who was going to be on the ground to pick up the parcel.
0: Yep, And the other right. thing was when he got back to Adelaide, he was there's a quote from him. Um, he contacted a, another member of the Communist Party saying, I'm destroying everything at home in case there's a search. They can't get much on me. So for some reason, just after the whole Skripov case popped, he suddenly went, I'm going to destroy anything in my house that links me to the Communist Party in case ASIO come a knockin'. So that also implies that Pyle knew something was going on and he was taking steps to prevent him being involved in it or being perceived to be involved in it.
1: So we have Horace, we've yep. got this mystery man who is a photographer at a wedding, and we have this man hanging from a tree. How do we put it all together?
2: Okay, well, I should just take it back one step. But the, yep. Asia, Asia was fixed on the idea that the person who was going to meet with Sylvia was a man in a passport which she'd picked up from yes. a dead letter drop. Yeah. Uh, his Canadian name his passport. Yes, his name was Andrew Huha. Now,
0: <laughs> the best the, name ever. <laughs> I know. I would never suspect Mr. No.
2: <laughs> no. Well, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Huha had no idea himself. He was back in Czechoslovakia, so somebody had the Soviets had actually got hold of this passport, slipped it in there given I I think this was to to, to deflect asio from the real person who was going to pick it up i think the whole thing was a setup it was a double bluff and uh, it worked perfectly in that sense but the man hanging from a tree now after the failed case where sylvia you know didn't meet with the man a couple of weeks later they the police uh given a tip off that there was a man hanging from a tree in a golf course in north adelaide
0: which normally would get the reaction of and from the Adelaide yeah. police, he's dead. Oh, okay, we'll go and check him then. So the the, the uh, AGO said,
2: look, send somebody along to see if this is the man in the passport. You know, this is the man whose photograph yep. is in the passport, mm. uh, Andrew Huha. So they turned up there. Some of them were actually there on the day and some, some Commonwealth policemen turned up at the morgue, looked at the body and said, no, this is not our guy. And that was where that... Died. That whole the case just collapsed from that point on. Yeah, I come along many years later, and I think there was one in one of the AGIO files. There was a drawing of this man's face in the morgue, and I looked at that face over and over again, and I just thought, this couldn't be the the wedding photographer, could it? You know, that's and crazy. I, I just and I, and I, I the first time I looked at it, I said, no, no, it's not. Then I looked at it again as I was making my film and I thought, I'm just going to try and marry those two faces up against mm. each other. Mm. And sure enough, there were the ears uh, and other features on his face that did, did kind of match our wedding photographer. And from that point on, I just this got, decided I would try and trace the background to this dead man. And that then proved to be a problem in as much that he was named... Well, he didn't have a name, in fact, uh, originally. They found some a name in his sort of a dry-cleaning tag name in his trousers mm. of a Polish man. That led nowhere. But I did follow my nose and discovered that his real name was Kolanski. Stanislaw Kolanski, who had been a refugee, came to Australia in the early 1950s, He'd been taken by the Germans from Poland uh, as a a political prisoner and was in forced labour. After the war, he gained refugee status and was brought to Australia. And uh, sure enough, when I got hold of his immigration photo and married it up with the wedding photographer, they were the one and the same man. It was the same guy. Same guy.
0: I mean, that, and that is a kind of classic profile for someone, uh, an illegal, somebody who's been mistreated by a fascist regime, he's get, he's freed by the Soviets, and they probably would have gone, hey, you could be really handy for us. And the training could could have therein began. But then he winds up hanging from a tree, dead. Now, the first thing was the police thought immediately, this is a suicide, which makes perfect sense. Most people, when they hang themselves, you know, are hung from a tree unless it's, you know, the Wild West, that it would have indicated suicide. But then you had a coroner basically turn around and say, well, maybe it wasn't.
2: Yeah, it was the former head of forensic medicine in New South Wales, Professor Joe DeFlew. I sent him the autopsy report and and he immediately came back to me and said, there's a couple of fishy things here. It doesn't look like a a suicide. He has a bruise to his... uh, right jaw, and uh, his face is showing signs of uh, acute cyanosis, which is mm. very, a blue face. And he says mm. that doesn't happen in a, in a hanging. The blood doesn't flow. It stops flowing. Yeah, the, Right. And so it says he's he looks like he's been involved in a violent confrontation, and it doesn't feel like it's a suicide. So what we then... The deuce is that he has been murdered, in a sense, by uh, his handlers because basically he would have come back, he he would have met with his handlers at some point and Mm -hmm. and they'd say, all right, where's where's the the message sender? He says, well, I didn't go through with the rendezvous because the place was staked out and there were cameras and I saw the cameras. Uh, which he does. He looks directly at the Azio's camera as it's rolling and you could see his face just drop. So he's got an excuse for not going through with it. But that's also a reason to kill him because he's on camera. If the police work it out or Asio works it out, he gets arrested and he, he would then out his handlers. So the handlers have got a reason to murder him.
1: So my my question is why? Because you know they could have easily just murdered him and buried the body, or just thrown the body anywhere. Because he he clearly had. There's no records of who this person is. So why would they show have his body in such you know in such a way that they're going to record it and police are going to investigation. Do you know what I mean? Like why well, why was it too, so public?
0: Just throw a couple of things in there. One, if they did actually physically choke him, and which is probably like a, an arm around the throat, uh, he's died of a choking from choking therefore they've got to put him in a position where he looks like he died from choking. So, one, hang him. Two, it all depends also on who he knew. Not just who he knew in the um the operation in the organisation that was controlling him, but also who he knew publicly, who who he personally knew, um, because that again, if he was to be found in mysterious circumstances, it's going to make people question stuff. So if you make it a really blunt, this guy went hang himself from a tree, it kind of and particularly with police going, yeah, it's a suicide. Move on. It did up until what. How long ago did you do this investigation, Peter? I mean, that Whoa, basically couple, sat a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah, so it basically sat as on the records as a suicide, and probably still sits on the records as a suicide. So, in effect, it was a very tidy way of cleaning up that loose end. Essentially, that's to, right. mm. um, You know, I'm destroying everything, and they can't get anything on me.
2: They took any identification out out of his pockets. He couldn't be traced. They they yeah. didn't. They they tried to trace his identity. It took a long time for them to work out his real name. In in fact, there were, he was given in the newspapers the name Karansky. The coroner's report had the name Kalinsky, and his real name was Kalansky. So you know, the, the whole thing was a debacle. But yeah. the other, the the simple point was, they probably had to dispose of the body very quickly. Yeah. Somewhere they went at night. And I'll tell you what, Adelaide soil is pretty tough to dig. So <laughs> right. Have, and it would have been pretty obvious, you know, burying him uh, anywhere, anywhere in town. I think.
0: Where did the new rose garden come from in the park? That's <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which is probably why the bikeys enjoyed doing barrels. I think it was
0: easier for them. Oh, yes, the snow did back. They got yeah. the wrong acid, fools. <laughs> um, so, look, the whole thing with this is it, was, I mean, in some ways it was a, a, an intelligence success in that, yes, we identified an intelligence officer at the embassy, but also it was a massive intelligence failure because they never really cracked that illegal network. And obviously, as archives open up, I mean, did you actually go to the archive or was it sent to you, Peter? I
2: asked for the, all of the records, all yeah. of the archive related to the Skripov case. Then I went in there and we digitised some of it. I wanted to get it as high quality as possible, Mm -hmm. but I had copies of of most of the footage from 10 years back anyway, so I knew what what was there, but I needed to get high resolution copies.
0: Just so you know, Michelle, you know the, the warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. Yeah. The archives is nothing like that. You'd really <laughs> like it to be. I mean, I, the first time I went out to the National Archive in Mitchell, I was like going, there's going to be all these crates and some old bloke pushing one down this huge corridor. No, it's just filing cabinets. It's literally filing compactors for miles. Right. So to dig amongst all of that – and also, then that footage—the footage from that case—has been used, like ASIO used it in the '60s to create a training film, which I will—I will put the link uh, into the uh, Twitter account. Uh, I'll definitely put that up on Twitter because it is it really is something to look at at Podcast, if you don't know what our Twitter handle is
1: yeah so basically we've we've come to the end of the story we you have ident- identified Peter you have identified who yeah. the hanging man is which is pretty fascinating stuff I mean from someone who from you know you're you've got an outside perspective in this and all of a sudden you're in the story yourself how how do we wrap this up in a neat little bow or is there a, is there a way to do that
2: Well, look, it's all been silent from Asia. I don't think they're interested.
1: (laughs) Right, (laughs) no one (laughs) has.
2: I think, uh, look, how do we wrap it up? I don't know. Look, I I think the best thing is that it's out there. It it can be viewed on ABC iView anytime you like. Just put in final rendezvous in the search and it it, up will come and you'll see it for yourself. It's well worth it. I I, I really don't know. I think seeing is believing. Uh, Everybody that's seen it believes it. And particularly old ASIO officers who went, went through that period, because that that period actually broke the spirit of of ASIO at that particular time. They went on a um, a hunt for moles inside of ASIO. They yeah. believed that somebody had tipped off the Russians. You know, it was an extraordinary big event, and they've just spent thirteen million dollars on official histories to be written about ASIO. And it's now it's outdated because we now know what what happened to the script off affair, and I think the film shows you that. If you don't believe it, get in touch with me and tell me. Give me a, a better. <laughs> <laughs> give me a better uh, reason for what happened. You know.
1: No, I, and, and and it definitely is worth a watch. Final rendezvous on ABC iView, and and look, it's only an hour, but I I just found it enthralling, particularly like you know, if you live in Sydney, I mean, you don't have to, but if you've ever been to Sydney, just to kind of view it through that kind of lens as well. There, and yeah, ha- yeah
0: there, how long ago it was, but can yeah. I also say that. It also goes to show that you know when we think of spies, we think of Istanbul and, and yeah. London and New York and Washington and Berlin. You don't think about go, and now we can think Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Adelaide, it's the not Mecca. just the murder
0: capital. It's also the it's the spy capital and the arts capital as well. Like-
1: well, but I, look, I think it, it kind of makes sense. It's also you know the church capital. It's lots of churches. Um, in if you're going to pick a city in Australia where you could. Launch a spy network I reckon Adelaide would probably be it it's pretty like it's it's spaced out it's not very hilly there's lots of you know there's lots of space there people aren't too inquisitive about what you're doing I think it would probably be lots of parks
0: and golf courses to hang around in
1: yeah and And atomic
0: bombs and lots of
1: bombing going off all right, Peter, yeah. thanks
0: very much for joining us. This has been great.
1: Oh, it's been excellent. And also, great. Like, I really, really enjoyed watching Final Rendezvous and I c- couldn't recommend it more highly enough. I think it's um, it's just a piece of Australian history that people just don't know anything about.
2: Yep. well, thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, that was absolutely fascinating. I just... the Watching Final Rendezvous, it really... I cannot h- recommend it more highly. It just... It really gave me an insight into kind of ASIO and what was going on at that time, the Cold War. It's, it's actually really fascinating oh, stuff. And to, have, goes- and to ha- have Peter here, it was just incredible.
0: It goes to show that, you know, even Australia can play up there with the big boys when it comes to intrigue and espionage.
1: Well, we're it, players, yeah. man. We're
0: players.
1: I, well, we, the, ones, we have the small there. ball. We don't have the bat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're playing with the plastic bat and like, plastic stumps.
1: Yeah, yeah, the neighbors don't want to play with us. No.